accessing agent files. Brian Sovereign. Early 21st Century Anarchist. Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check. By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government, helping usher in an incredible time. Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now here's Brian. That's right, the golden stallion, the man of tomorrow, here with you for another little special. Uh, I had the great honor of being on a show known as Life is People. And I mentioned this in a previous episode that I was on it. And uh, I loved doing the show so much. The conversation was so great. Uh, I was on with Tim and Rich Beer uh, and Ryan. It was just, it was a fantastic time. And so I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can catch the actual video of it. But also, uh, you know, I wanted to to release the audio on my own feed. And, uh, you know, as, as I've been doing for, for a few months now, uh, I've been releasing at least two uh, two episodes of Sovereign Tech per week or, you know, not one regular episode and then a special of some kind. And oftentimes a special has been my appearance on other shows. And so I wanted to get this one out there. It's, you know, it's, it's decently lengthy. It was a fantastic conversation, a whole ton of information covered. And, you know, it, it really is something because I, myself, my own ideologies and whatever that I care to share and espouse to people, uh, <laughs> are kind of a slow build. They take a while. There's so much to cover. It's, it's really difficult to kind of give a, a, a good, quick, cohesive, uh, you know, message and bit of business out there inside of even two hours. Uh, and so, you know, it's always, a, it's always an interesting challenge for me to be able to succinctly describe uh, a lot of, you know, what I, what I feel and think about things going on. Uh, but Tim was a, was a, a great host on this and, and Rich and Ryan were fantastic too. Uh, and, you know, really just a, just an incredible conversation that I think uh, everyone would, would find interesting to hear. So here it is. Um, I'll let the, you know, I'll let the episode ride it right out, uh, right out into the music. Uh, so I won't be coming back at the end. Uh, but do check this out because it was really, it was a great time uh, and a lot to glean from this. And it was a uh, kind of an international show because Tim's out of Scotland, you know, with made safe and all that. And, uh, you know, really exciting things going on. It's really great to be able to connect with these kinds of people. So enjoy life is people. I think it was episode number 11 guest starring me carpe lucem everybody i'll see you on the other side in the regular episode of sovereign tech this week good evening and welcome to a uh, another life is people um on this fine uh, winter's evening from scotland um tonight we're joined by um well i'm really excited tonight to be joined by uh the golden stallion as we can call him <laughs> mr truthful black as he's also known as also <laughs> uh, brian sovereign of sovereign tech so hello how you doing brian Excellent, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And also, obviously, my uh, co-host, Ryan. How you doing, Ryan? Just doing good. Staying busy, Tim. Glad to be here. Uh, Glad to have Ryan on. That's perfect. And um, also, in that, uh, we can see Rich. How you doing, Rich? Hey, guys. Perfect. 
Well, um, let me just, I mean, I've, I've basically sort of start off by giving uh, people that are not aware um, who, who you are, Brian. Now, uh, as I understand... What, what's wrong with them? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I sort of understand, I mean, it's obviously you're based, for a start, for the people who live in, uh, listen to this on this side of the world, it's based in um, New Hampshire in uh, America. And now some people may be aware, some people may not be aware, but for maybe I think the last sort of two or three years at least, there's, there's been a sort of project going on in, in this part of the world, which is called the, the, uh, the Free State Project, which I'll, I'll ask Brian, I'm sure we'll elaborate on through, through this conversation, but he's now based in Keene and he's part of that. He also has a fantastic podcast called um, Sovereign Tech, which is, um, as I've been sort of pointing to people on Twitter, I should definitely go and uh, have a listen to and I'll definitely recommend if, if you want to start anywhere, go to the 99B Living in the Year 2099. It's a fantastic episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from, from that point of view, really, so um, I mean, my first sort of question to you, really, would be, Brian, will we, how did you get from, as I understand it, being a kind of in the financial markets to now living in, in Keene, New Hampshire, as part of this project? I mean, what, what's your sort of journey to where you are now? Uh, boy, it, it's a long one. It, it more accurately really starts with I was in the uh, the U.S. military. I was in the Army in particular, and uh, I really, I only I got out early. I was uh, you know set for four years. I got out in a little under two, and that was largely due to the fact that uh, I had a crisis of conscience while I was in the military, and I recognized that uh, perhaps the people I was working for and that myself were not the good guys uh, in a lot of these situations, if not all of them. And uh, so that got, I got out of the military uh, due to those reasonings, and that really set me on a path of learning uh, quite a bit about liberty-minded, liberty-oriented, uh, you know, freedom-oriented ideals. Uh, and that was a path that I went on for, boy, a good five years at least, uh, and, uh, you know, went through a lot of very personal changes, a lot of, I, I lived a very conventional life, uh, you know, having, having the, the good American job, you know, the family, the whole thing, uh, but eventually you get to a point where, where I think you recognize so many of these things are really just, just systems of control and actually hold you down from being, just being happy, you know, it's not even about a matter of, like, what's ethical, this, that, blah, 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 but just, just being uh, happy, and so I wanted to have my happiness, and I saw only at the time, this would be about 2011, I saw really only one place uh, at that time that I felt I could go where they would understand and share my ideals, and that was close by, and that was New Hampshire, which is, uh, you know, the home of the Free State Project, which the Free State Project in and of itself um, is just a... Uh, it's the idea of getting at least 20,000 people in one geographic area uh, to enact change of creating more freedom, uh, more liberty in their lifetime. And so I, you know, I joined up with that, and it really, you know, that, that was really the key was being around so many people that don't judge you, you know, and that don't think you're that crazy when, you know, you have these thoughts that are way out of the norm of what, you know, uh, the popular news and whatever other people would tell you, uh, you know, you get to grow so much, uh, and you come to the ideas of, of anarchy and, and, and all these things. Uh, even if you aren't an anarchist in the first place, there's kind of a funny saying in New Hampshire that, uh, you know, you come to New Hampshire as a minarchist, uh, 
uh, your your travel to becoming an anarchist is about six months because it just when when you get around again when you get when you get into a a group of people that don't judge you it's so it's amazing how quickly you grow you know mentally and and whichever other ways Um, so so that's really it but I went through I mean becoming you know getting to my ideals that I hold now uh, I certainly went through a lot of different uh, isms a lot of different ideologies uh, to get here. Uh, so, you know, I, I I can see a lot of a lot of people's sides, uh, you know, on how they feel about those. And obviously, you know, you know, a lot of this has obviously coincided with the, which is one of the things that I've been sort of like, probably the same as you have, and we all have, I suppose, in this conversation, been a bit kind of aware of what's been going on with the decentralization of technology generally. So. I suppose a lot of where you coincided to when you moved to New Hampshire probably coincided a lot with the rise of Bitcoin. I mean, because you were one of the first, you know, you're an early adopter of the Bitcoin. So I, I mean, did they sort of like almost marry perfectly in time? And yeah, it's an important thing to bring up. Um, I mean, I've always been, I've always dealt to be with, you know, in the financial system or if it was just in the uh, actual like technical end or sales end. Uh, I've been involved in in technology circles. Uh, pretty much my, I mean, I want to say my whole life. <laughs> my, you know, my first uh, computer, I can't even remember when I didn't have a computer. I don't think there was a time. Um, but uh, in any case, yeah, Bitcoin, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize Bitcoin is really tied in with liberty-minded, uh, you know, ideals. Uh, it is, it, it's so key to it. They're part and parcel. Uh, and the part, the, the reason that there are so many people that it grew uh, so far as it has, is because people really were so passionate about it because they saw it as a key to freedom. And uh, it was a big deal. You know, it's been a big deal in New Hampshire. Uh, that was another thing. I was into Bitcoin before moving to New Hampshire. Uh, but, uh, you know, coming to New Hampshire certainly made it a far more viable thing, no doubt about it. But people people make a mistake when they think, oh, well, Bitcoin's just about, you know, making the status quo that much more efficient or, or more secure. Uh, no, it's about crushing the status quo. Uh, that we understand in financial systems, and that certainly opened my mind as well to, to recognize that, uh, that that a lot of our a lot of fun, what we consider finance doesn't have to be. It. Well, I think I mean, I, would, I would totally agree, and I think one of the things that I think we live well, I, I think we're living in a very exciting times in our in, in, the, in the age we live in at the moment is that there are the rise of decentralized uh, technology. I mean, I mean, I'm, I don't know, probably we're probably about the same age, but I remember when. I was kind of like being 15, 16, I mentioned this podcast before, and having to write literally basic programming on, on old Acorn computers. And I foresaw, I saw the potential of it all. And I remember like, you know, turning on for, you know, the first time I had, you know, the internet and thinking, oh, this is, this, you know, potential. And it's just, I don't know, I don't know, there's a whole maybe thing that came out for all of us, but that everything seems to go for sleep for 20 years. And there's only been the last sort of like five or six years I've seen this whole, original concept sort of like coming through again and I, and I think it's a very exciting times that we live in and we've mentioned this in the podcast before because as you just said then you know we've got the, the ability now to which Bitcoin's one of the first steps towards it is, is understanding that we can have other means of living amongst ourselves without the financial fiat currencies and, and all the enslavement and terror in the world that's caused by the, you know, the back of the, the, that very policy. The, the way, yeah, it, uh, the way I actually, well, the way I actually came, I just real quick, the way I came into decentralization was uh, just started seeing it everywhere. As far as you know, something like Bitcoin comes up, and then it was kind of like, well, why, why would we need 
a different currency. And then you kind of go into, you know, especially here in the U.S., you have things like end the Fed and so on, and you look into the Federal Federal Reserve and what's going on there, and it, when you really look into it, you're just kind of like, you know, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's 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 out of control, it's out of hand, and uh, you really can't, even people who want to get answers cannot get answers. And you, they're, they're talking to the people in charge. And then another thing I remember seeing was, uh, you know, 2014, everybody's into uh, UFOs. You know, we're constantly seeing, you know, some sort of new UFO footage or something. And uh, even Rich was talking about uh, last week some of the weird things he's seen, you know, living to, uh, near the Army base. And uh, I remember seeing the guy, the spokesperson that CNN always has on who speaks for, like, the UFO community kind of. I can't remember his name, but... Uh, one of the things he talked about was he was like, it's not about whether or not it's aliens. He's like, that's not really the question. The question is the technology, and why doesn't the whole world have access to this technology? And then when you think about that, it's like, wow, you, you know, I, I was, I can't remember how old I was when I saw that interview, but I was like, wow, you know, it really is like, you, there is a control over, you know, sort of everything. There is a centralization of everything, and it has been boiled down to, you know, some sort of weird filter that shows us only what we need to know and not everything that is out there. Sure. I, I think that there's really, um, you know, uh, there's there's an old saying that uh, when the people is ready, the master will appear. I don't like the word master, but I think the point is, is that society or, you know, people at large have prepared for these things uh, for them to really come into fruition. Um, you know, I think that like a lot of ideas, like even Twitter and even Bitcoin, a lot of these ideas are, you know, 20, 30 years old, and there are even older implementations of some of this stuff. Uh, maybe not so much peer-to-peer, or maybe that idea wasn't, wasn't so well-known. But, I mean, at the base level, a lot of this stuff uh, did exist quite a bit back. And, but it's not until now, and for whatever reason those are, if it's because of people just being educated in other ways, like you mentioned with the UFO thing, like, you know, guys like Gary McKibben, who revealed a whole ton of, you know, talk about a great Scotsman, uh, you know, a guy, that re- uh, a guy that revealed a whole ton of information about that and, and set free so many, uh, you know, interesting ideas. Um, yeah, it's, it's really not until people kind of, you know, I don't want to, I hate the phrase wake up, but it's not until, you know, they, they, they kind of see that these things are, are possible that they really go with it. I mean, it, it seems like there has to be, as much as I despise it, there almost has to be this incremental, uh, uh, you know, going up of, of, of thought. Um, I don't think incrementalism works, but as far as for mass adoption, it just, it, I guess it does take that. Well, as far as, like, waking up, I mean, I think that sometimes the uh, that work can seem like over dramatized to certain people, but I remember, uh, I remember when I, I literally did wake up, and it was not a, it wasn't just like a one subject thing. It was waking up and seeing like everything, and it was, it all kind of happened very yeah. fast, and it, it was definitely a, an eye opening wake up moment. And it, if you're not ready to be, you know, at, you know, that scared to have everything just sort of shattered and be like, holy shit, this isn't the way it has to be. It could be different. It could be better. Uh, you might not see it. I went in, I remember going in with an open mind and just, you know, thinking I want to know more. I want to know something. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, for me, it was a wake-up moment. But a lot of people, they, it might be small increments, whatever. But it, I think it definitely is a wake-up moment. 
Sure, sure. I think for, for a lot of people, you're right. It, it is kind of, it's all at once. It's, you know, Doc Brown hitting his head and, and seeing the flux capacitor. You know, <laughs> it's, that's very much how, how it, could, it is for many. That's, that's, that's very true. Well, I, I mean, it's one of the things I, I think that what people are not realizing maybe, we're in a moment that, I, I mentioned this before, maybe 20 years down the line, people are going to go, wow, there was a, you're, you're part of that generation. You're, we're, we're living in the days right now where this is happening I think sometimes it's when it, I, I have a lot of chats with a lot of people, and, and you, when you sort of like actually say to them, do you realise that maybe you know, six years ago Twitter wasn't around, you know, and before that, maybe, you know, MySpace was king of everything, and before that, you know, it was AOL was king of everything. But if you think, think of how much is coming at us at such a rate, I mean, you're more than anyone else to know about this, Brian, because you probably have more of a you know, keep on more of that if you're on that post than I do, but. It's almost impossible to keep up with the level of complexity that's going on around us, and it's amazing. Like, like you said, it's like that Doc Brown moment, but we're going through it, but not realizing we've actually hit the, the floor, and we are. Because I think there's a, as Ryan was just saying, then there is a collective wake-up moment going on. Because basically, the, the machine is collapsing, and people are going to have to wake up to that one way or the other. Whether they want to believe in the machine, and they still think that in 30 years' time there's still going to be a government there to them go running to or not. But that is, is happening. It's like nature. Like, that's what I'm about. Maysafe. It's the idea that you know one one dominating species is about to dis- disappear off this planet. Like we don't worship you know, uh, big golden balls anymore, and we don't worship you know underneath pyramids. We've that's the point of humanity. We we have these moments like like you're both just saying, you know, these hitting the floor, waking up moments. And I think it's something what we're going through now is we're going through it. And I don't think most people realise that we're going through it because. It's happening everywhere around them, but they don't realize it. But it seems it's to me true. it's like when. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I think it's no, like no, one of these, the idea that yes, some people will wake up, some people will cling to the old system, and it brings me to the what I wanted to ask you about was System D. You went over that at, in, at length, and I was excited about it. I've been a part of that system for quite some time. And it seems to me that, yeah, you're going to have these systems that rise up in parallel. And people will, you know, as they grow older, they'll be able to choose, yes, I can go to this system. I don't think one system will be able to completely overtake another system, at least in our lifetime. But Yeah, uh, I hope it doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah and yeah. I wanted your ideas on that because you're able to sit down with uh, people like Paige Peterson and, and shoot the shit and, and uh, talk about, you know, what are the uh, remarkable applications that can come about because of something like MadeSafe or SafeCoin. And what they'd call it safe network is what it'll ultimately be called, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're able to sit down. What are some of the uh, behind the scenes that, you know, you all just don't come up and talk about but maybe that you've sh- – talked about with her and others that, you know, some of these applications that will make System D so much more efficient. Is there anything that comes up? Yeah, uh, boy, as far as like anything that doesn't get talked about openly, I mean, this is kind of the funny thing about System D. And of course, System D is this, uh, it's, to to better describe it, it's, it's a shadow economy. And, and it's real. It's, it's literally trillions of dollars of uh, you know of business of inter of human interactions going on every day that doesn't get taxed that doesn't have permission from governments um, you know and it's going on all the time and so you know for trillions of dollars to be transacted often enough a lot of these technologies clearly already uh, exist and 
as far as what's what's up and coming, I don't know of anything secretive necessarily up and coming, but at the same time, the you know the, the fact is is that system D's very nature, the nature of an underground of a parallel society or a parallel economy uh, that is circumventing all these control systems. Uh, doesn't lend you to know about exactly what's going on, you know, unless you're actually doing the transaction. <laughs> and that's a, that's a good thing. You want it that way, okay? So, uh, you know, with and and that's because if you don't know, that all powers that that be don't you know don't don't know as well. Um, so as far as like fanciful ideas, um, yeah, boy, I wish I could I wish I could tell you some, but I, but I don't I don't really know them. I th I think the only the only big thing that's because a lot of the technologies are here, like MadeSafe is here, uh, or is coming, I should say, and that's going to be a real game changer. There's P-Cell, which is really, that's a technology that's going to, uh, this is a, a new way of transmitting um, cellular signal far faster, uh, far more efficiently, and far more inexpensively. Uh, and so if, if, inter, you know, if you can interconnect the world far better, uh, which this would allow for, then uh, you know that's going to be a huge advancement for System D to grow and just really outpace uh, the standard fare of the day that you know that we deal with with banks and all this crap. I mean, System D is just a word that is now basically. I mean, I would I would almost sort of say that's probably gone off since man has been on this planet. There's always been. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the history we're taught is always. You've got to remember the history we're taught is of the history of winners. And they've always told us about kings and queens and, and power structures. But then you, I don't know, I've, I've been around the world enough to know that I can always imagine there's always been a massive part of humanity that's never lived under these rules. I've, I've been to parts of the Amazon where just, they don't give a toss what the dog is. They don't, it, it means nothing to them. They, you know, it's like, I mean, I saw one of your podcasts, uh, one of your, you know, your YouTube channel, one of the, the great, uh, when we talk about Bitcoin and money, and you say that you know people have this illusion about gold, but gold, you yeah. know, I've been to the middle of the Amazon. They don't, they would, they, they would swap gold. I mean, it's one of the oldest stories about when the, when, when we as a, the white race went to to South America, they were giving gold away, and the Indians the same when they went up to to into North America, they just gave the gold away. They didn't know. And that's the point because all I think intrinsically that people want, which is the point of system D, is it's part of all. It's always been around. Is people just want to get on with each other, trade. And basically live in small sort of tribes and just get on through life, understanding that we're only going to be here for X amount of years and we're going to fall away into this bliss. And I, I think that system D has been what you could basically call humanity. Sure. I, I don't think that's unfair. Um, and, yeah, when you were saying that, I was thinking of uh, my, my talk on that I gave about gold uh, because that was the point I was – in in that talk, I was trying to bring up the fact that, yeah, history told – by the winners, and the winners are telling you, hey, gold's always been here. Well, it's not true at all. Uh, you know, and just like a lot of people will say, even, you know, and this is something I've been exploring more recently, a lot of people will say, well, look, market economies, you know, have always been the order of the day. That's how it's always been. But, you, you know, historically you find out, no, there's areas where that kind of economy is wasn't the standard either. There are so many, and that's, and that's really key. This is the beauty of decentralization is, People, I feel, need to realize that there is not just, there's never just one way. You know, exactly. you, there's, I mean, you need to have the ability to express all these different ways. If there's any one truth, that's it. But other than that, there's not just one way. There, there's a million ways that all of this can be done. 
Uh, and and there are finally, you know, thanks to I guess interconnectedness, or at least uh, people being able to build on the shoulders of giants, uh, they're really they're starting to build all of those multitude of ways. I mean, you know, I love MadeSafe. I mean, I think it's one of the most, if not the most exciting idea in decades. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I want I don't want it to be like the overarching thing, you know, that runs it all. I just want there to be the op- it needs there needs to be the opportunity for there to be plenty of systems, a multitude of systems. You have to always have choice. The choice is humanity. If you don't have choice, uh, what's the point? You know, because then you're just an automaton, you know, or you're not. You actually not even an automaton. You're you know you're a programmed robot. But it's one of the one of the things that centralization has always been about. It's basically separating. Us as, I mean, you can get how, how deep it wants to go to us, and this is interesting discussion itself. But they've always, the whole point of it is they want to separate us from nature. So they say, ah, oh, it's all about central power. Whereas you look around you, it's one of the things I love about, particularly Mason, I've, I've talked about it a lot with Mason, is that it's built on the understanding of like ants. And you, like you said, in one particular kilometre, you may have. I don't know, maybe 16, 17 colonies of ants. And, not, and they all have their own ways of doing things. And you can't say, oh, well, the red ants are the winners and the black ants are the winners. When you understand it, really, they're just like nature. Everyone has a, like you said, they're going to be a multitude of systems. And that's the more the healthy way, the natural way of everything we see around us. When you look out your window, you'll see, a, well, a healthy environment will have more than one colour in the field. You won't just all be yellow. Yeah. But, but that's nature, isn't it? I mean, over here, we have whole parts of our country just completely yellow now because they've just been this centralization of nature almost and saying you have to have my you know this one flower everywhere because that's good for profit it's just it's just an example of what i'm saying yeah i don't i don't know how it started i don't know when in history that that it really like i, I know the moments when we can register when these when these ideas of like centralization you know you could take i mean go way way back to like uh you know ancient Sumer and, and, and others where you get, you know, a lot of codified things. Uh, I mean, you can certainly say, you know, when, I guess, you see it come into play, but as to when and how, or how exactly it started, uh, I'm not sure, but life, really, I mean, biodiversity, okay, and this is a word a lot of people, I feel, should concentrate on. Biodiversity is the whole reason that humanity or any species on, on Earth or on any planet anywhere gets from A to M, you know, or from A to Z or whatever. Without it, you have no redundancy in anything. Any, the smallest thing can just come in and wipe out, you know, an entire genome or wipe out an entire way of living. Uh, and and you you actually you really you don't want that uh, you you don't want that at all I mean and, and it's a tough because when you start to, especially you know with decentralization in general I think it leads one down of sometimes a scary because <laughs> because it, there's no standards you know you have to you have to be constantly perhaps thinking on your feet uh, and yeah it, it's it's really interesting that, that nobody nobody takes it, in my opinion, they, they don't take it all the way. And I think they recognize, and this is something that's coming out quite a bit, uh, a lot of people are talking about this, I've heard it on various shows, where they're saying, boy, decentralization is very expensive. Yes, <laughs> it certainly is very expensive. But that's part of, A, why it's worth doing, and B... Uh, you know that that's that's just that's the cost of having of having a degree of freedom is is that is you know that that kind of ex- expense of, of of you know what it takes to 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 implement it uh, and and to live it certainly. Does that mean we're gonna have to cut? Are we gonna have to cut back on war then? Is, is that what we have to do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. 
I am all for that. You know, I mean, a war is a great point because war is really that is anti. It is so anti-life, uh, and the fact that people find it to be necessary is, of course, mind-boggling to me. But war is very much going from one place to another and forcing your way of life, your you know, your thoughts, uh, your style onto someone else. But then people don't recognize the strength and diversity. You know, and, and, and they ignore it, at the, and, and war is certainly one of the things that, that, that definitely gets rid of uh, that diversity, no doubt. Oh, what's, funny, I, what's funny, I work with a guy from Morocco, and he was telling me how, um, obviously, Christian missionaries will try to go over there and help people and do whatever, and he was saying how a lot of times, well, pretty much all the time, you know, they, if you're not willing to, you know, accept that Bible with your food and medication, you might not get food and medication. Like, and I was like, well, yeah, that's a, they they go over there with plenty of Bibles, lots of Bibles, and same thing with you know war. Like we say, we're going to help people, but we go over there with more bombs than anything, and you know more guns. Oh than yeah, anything. we're taking my yeah, money. Yeah, you know, I was. You know, mm -hmm. Well, that's yeah, just what I, I mean, really you know, when I went. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, that's just what I was saying. You know, they're to, just following on to you. Like, they're taking our taxes, our money, where we could be spending something towards something good, like decentralization and trying to get more freedom, more things out there. But instead, we're trying to enforce ourselves onto other people. Sure. I mean, an incredible, you know, losses in, in human knowledge, which I would argue, you know, preserving human knowledge definitely, is a great definitely. reason to do anything, uh, you know, including decentralization in general. Uh, I mean, when I was over, when I was overseas, I was in Iraq, um, there were entire museums ransacked, uh, you know, with, with these ancient, ancient, uh, you know, irreplaceable uh, items there. And, and with, you know, in, in these, in these museums, you know, there's like, suddenly you find these, there's these Iraqi people guarding these museums and we're just like, you know, what, what are you guys doing here? What's going on? You know, I'm a soldier at the time. And they're like, well, hey, you're not coming in here. It's like, what do you mean? No, no, it's okay. You know, we're Americans. We're, we're here to help. And they're like, no, you're the ones that came in and ransacked this museum. And so, yeah, I mean, the cost of war, I mean, it's amazing the amount of knowledge that we lose at the cost of this just forcing our way onto other people. We lose things that, that could benefit everybody. I mean, there, there's knowledge, you know, that old, that I think, could benefit everyone. And it's all done, all because of the cost of war and centralization. Totally. I mean, I mean, one of the things I, I, I often talk about, and it's one of the lucky things because I've talked about the, you know, the fortune to live in parts of South America and stuff. And I lived in Argentina for, for a few many years. And one of the things I said to people when I came back here was that almost because of we're so I, 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 I say this and no, we haven't made any derogatory comments about it. But we're, we're almost like a nation of fat cows. We've been fattened by the system. We've, we've, we're kind of living on a farm. We, we, you know, and that's why all the narrative goes on about about our, oh, well, the farmer's going to do this and he's going to cut this. And he's, whereas basically, when you live, when I went down to Argentina, the the, the the cold heart reality of having people who've been through a war system and having friends that's disappeared and taken and stuff like that, you realise that those people when I've been down there, they they when you see the harsh realities like someone like maybe yourself because you've been in the military, you actually see what the the harsh realities what this actually means. We as a human beings, I think generally, apart from the psychopaths, are just naturally like it's against our evolution as a species. It's we don't like to harm each other. And I think the trouble is that we're 
that's why, I mean, I don't know what it's like in the States, but over here, we're not even allowed to see any of our dead returning on TV. Not even the coffins. We don't see any of this anymore. Wow. It's, I mean, I don't know if it's the same in your part of the world, but we're, we had a little village just down the south, in the, in the south of our country where they'd always bring, they'd fly them in the helicopters, and then they would be given a ceremonial sort of like tour through the village, and all the locals would hang out and, you know, put poppies out and stuff like that. And it got stopped by our government because they said it was giving distractions, um, you know, away from what was going on. And basically, they just didn't want to see any more dead bodies come through, you know. And now we don't see anything. We don't see – and I think it's, it's, it's what I can say. We, we've been fat and that was lazy cows. And I think one of the great things I love about the, the age we live in is that we're now seeing – we've got the ability, even through this creaking system we, we talked about before, but we can see now. We can see what – that the people over the hill aren't other subhuman. They're human beings who live our lives. Like you said, when you've been to Iraq, when you're friendly in Morocco, they're just human beings like us all. And that's one of the great things, I think, one of the great connections like Made Safe and these, these, these concepts that are coming around are going to help us, like, like you were saying, Brian, help with the connection. And through the connection, we can understand that we're all just human beings on a rock and then we, don't, we can maybe get ourselves out, like, like we were talking before, out of this sleep state and, and realising that, wow, we've been fattened up as lazy cows when actually, right now, as we speak, human beings have been wiped away. We don't see it. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think when you consider the fact that rats, you know, what some would consider the lowliest life on planet Earth, when they have empathy, we know scientifically they experience empathy and, and so they can have feelings for another uh, or you know another creature um, I, I think that really does show that yes, we don't as humans or you know perhaps as any we don't like to see another one of us die it's not cool <laughs> you know uh, it, it takes a, an incredible amount of desensitization or trauma to make it okay uh, you know for, for that for that to occur and you know and it's an interesting point about you know traveling the world I've really yet to one, one problem we have in the United States is there seems to be so many Americans that are against immigration or they have a problem with you know illegal people which is you know a ridiculous concept in itself but I've really never met anybody that's traveled the world just a little bit you know more at least more than once that holds that view of somehow these people over here are bad yeah, and these exactly. people over here are okay. Uh, and so, and I think maybe that's what's allowing for a lot of this growth in, in technology and in ideas as late because now with the internet, you're almost getting that experience where you are able to finally meet people across the pond or whatever and recognize, oh, hey, they're just like me. Same problems, same same solutions, you know, it's all it's all the same. And uh, yeah, and I think that's that's a that's a really beautiful thing. Um, and something else, you know, that, about what you were talking about there. The one the one technology that isn't there yet that I'm dying to see, and hopefully Made Safe can help with this, is that decentralized YouTube, that peer-to-peer -peer YouTube. Uh, now Netflix has looked into doing peer-to-peer -peer video, so we know it's possible uh, to to pull it off. And because YouTube, in my opinion, is the thing that keeps. What I think is going to happen now is that, like with politicians and warmongers and whoever else, they really can't get away with their lies anymore. It's too easy to just, you know, make it make a great YouTube video that shows everything that these guys say and that they call and you can call bullshit. And and it's right there in every way that any anybody accepts evidence, you know, video, audio, the whole thing. And so, you know, I think if if we ever get to that point, to to where there is that decentralized YouTube, that's going to be huge game changer. And I know there's people that are trying, 
Um, but but I think that's going to be a really big deal. Yeah, you're in a good position to call on developers and let them know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do want. I want to see. I really would love to see that happen, um, uh, amongst other things. But that's really the top of the top of the bar right now. I mean, that, that's kind of. I mean, as, as we sort of I've been communicating with you, that's the idea of what we're trying to do with N99. I mean, initially, it's to get musicians on board. I mean, that's not out because I'm searching musicians. That is, as I said to you in the email this week, that's because I think the creative people, the people on the edge, have always been the ones that love this idea. I, I you know. And I think that what we're trying to do with this is, that, you know, we can just start off that, build a network up, and then, I mean, I, I, I have great plans to sort of, like, do your YouTube vision through Network 99. I mean, I see the, the, YouTube on it. I see, we, we talked about this before on the podcast, I, I, I mean, education. There's so many things that can be put onto the... That's what I love about MaySafe. It's the ability, like you say, where people can just go on and have the truth. Now, they, don't, they might not want to switch on and see that. They might not want to be part that, that, That's choice. Hey, if you don't want to live that way, it's right. your way. But what I, I'm excited about and what I'm, you know, like, like, like Richard was just saying, you know, I'm always calling on developers, is, is that I don't think my, my, a lot of people, to be honest with you, Brian, if I'm getting really straight with things, I don't think a lot of people are really truly aware of what potential MaySafe is. Just one of, like you said, it's just one of the first steps, but what the potential of MaySafe is, I think you can do. I don't think a lot of people have really got their heads around the potential of it yet. I, that's just my personal Sure. Opinion. No, I agree. But I think, but that, and, and part of that problem is, is I think that people, the, the, the average person sees, you know, that they have their cloud services through Google and whatever else, and it all works just fine for them. And so they're going to stick with it. You know, like why, for them, it's why mess with something that works. But then at the same time, they don't see, hey, you know, maybe this has, they don't see what could possibly go wrong down the road, um, a lot of which is already happening. In fact, uh, you know, something I like to bring up often that I don't think people realize is, you know, Google, a lot of these services, a lot of these cloud services are tailoring what they feed to you based upon your search results, based upon, uh, you know, whatever you do online. I mean, just about anything you do. And it's ironic that if you ever, if you ever look up things like anarchy, and I, and this is the stuff I look up all the time. I mean, I'm constantly searching for it. Uh, there's, you know, or any any of these subjects that really have to do with with freedom or, or you know, next level stuff. You'll never get that in your feed. You'll never get that in Google now. It's very strange. And so, so there is as as exciting as it is that so that that knowledge is that data that information is uh, freeing itself. At the same time, it, the, the backlash is occurring from, I, you know, they, them, those, the power that be, to where they're making sure you don't see it. Yes. Uh, you know, and in some ways, you know, you don't want everybody to see it, of course, like, like we were talking about with System D. But at the same time, uh, yeah, th this, you know, there's still, uh, th there's still some, some ladders to climb here as far as how to, to get around that. And, you know, maybe... And this is one of the, the hardest conclusions for me to think about. But I mean, you know, maybe there's just some people that are never, ever going to get on, on board with this stuff. Um, and so, you know, I push quite a bit for, you know, people starting intentional communities wherever they happen to be. You don't have to move to New Hampshire for the Free State Project, uh, though that's probably the most successful intentional community I've ever seen. Um, but people, you know, get together just with like-minded people and then you can kind of, you know, Live by example. People can see, you know, just how happy you are, uh, and and then, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe they'll want to be a part of it or, or, or copy it or whatever. 
sort of uh, real quick, like sort of on topic, off topic. Like we we talked about it last week as far as like the video quality on YouTube, and as far mm -hmm. as like you know, if people want to watch music videos, you you're going to YouTube, and even Vimeo. Like I had problems with Vimeo, and all the quality, it was just not showing the quality that I had, and so I. Somebody who I hadn't talked to in almost probably, I think, 10 years had just recently got a hold of me, and I had sent them a link to the video, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to send you the actual video, and you can see the difference in the quality, and he saw the original video, and he was like, oh my god, that was like watching a totally different video, and I was like, that's one of the things that stand out stands out to me as far as like my uh, video pursuits, or just any case where... And I was trying to say this to him that, you know, in something like the Safe Network, you wouldn't be going through a third-party player and video converter. You would be accessing the original file that I had. You would be – so even music that you listen to and stuff like that, if people go to YouTube and listen to music, like, you're not going to be listening to the boiled-down YouTube filtered version. You would be listening to the straight, you know, studio version – as close to the studio version as possible. And – Quality, clarity, you know, all those things. Like, that was just something artistically that uh, really plays into freedom and, uh, you know, what people are trying to express. And just once you go through the centralization of it all, it just kind of kills it and shits sure. out it a little bit. <laughs> sure. And you raise the point of, of also, like, one of the other problems that I haven't necessarily heard addressed. I've heard people, including the Mate guy, says we're aware of this. Um, but that is is ISPs, the Internet Service Providers, the, the real gatekeepers. Um, they, in many ways, are more the problem than Google or, you know, or any of them, you know, uh, could perhaps ever be. Uh, I mean, it, it's too, it's a twofold problem, no doubt. But, but uh, you know, we haven't really seen that solution yet, other than I mentioned P-Cell earlier. Uh, there's OuterNet that's trying to do this sort of thing. Uh, we still, we really need to lick that trans that that receivership that that send and receive of this information uh, even more so perhaps than where it's stored uh, and and I, I really haven't seen that uh, you know anyone anyone totally tackle that I mean yeah just to go back to what you were saying just before about choices I mean I think that's one of the great things that maybe a lot of people I mean I've, I've heard it mentioned in um, sort of like surveys before that they say that maybe 66 percent of the of people in Europe if they were given the choice, would just flee their country right now. But then almost given no choices about it. And I'm sure there's some people, because you can go to parts of Russia now and parts of Eastern Europe, and there's still people um, loving you know, the communist lifestyle. They still fly that flag. They're still giving it, oh, Chairman Mao, he was right, and Lord, you know, Stalin was right. Now, that's what I'm saying. That's their choices, and I'm not going to force any of those people because if they want to go and believe that, it's, like, it's a bit like a... a I suppose you have to have, you know, going back to where we originally started in your free state project. I mean, the ultimate of being, you know, like you said, an anarchist or a, a person who's open-minded is to understand that choice means that everybody has their own choices, and that's the point. As long as you're not harming me, as long as you're not doing me any, coming to me with any violence, that's your choice. And like you said, I think one of the interesting things is that I love, what I love about you know things like MailSafe or Bitcoin or what's generally happening around this raw technology, it's opening up choices, which is only a good thing, because then it gives yes. people the ability to choose: Do I want to decentralise life, or do I want to go and live ultimately like flying the flag for Red Russia under some yes. you know part of Poland? It's all choices. 
Yeah, I agree with you completely. It, it, it is all choice, and, and that's something, too, because, I mean, a lot of people, and this comes from, you know, a lot of that from that patriotism where it's just, uh, and, and where it shows how key education is, especially from a very young age, and why we need a lot of freedom of education, is that, uh, you know, people are just constantly being told that their way of life is the best way, you know, and when that's a judgment, you know, that, I mean, that's, no, you know, you, you don't know. I mean, and they don't even bother to really compare. And who are they even getting the information from? It's like, well, life in America is great, according to the Americans, you know. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, ask somebody else, and and you might end up with a very, very different uh, story. It's you know, it's just like, I mean, everybody hates to bring up Nazis, right? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, oh, Nazi Germany was phenomenal. But ask the Jews how they feel about that. Uh, and so, yeah, you you have to have choice, uh, you know, at, at all times. Otherwise. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just there's a recipe for control, and you're never going to have actual freedom. Yeah. I mean, what is, it's interesting that you just mentioned about the Nazis. One of the things that living in this part of the world and growing up over here was, I always thought it's interesting now that they, you know, a few years on, we've no longer have a stereotypical view of what a Nazi was. But if you go back right to my grand, my my old sort of people I grew up with, from the, who actually lived through that, they were saying, yeah, but you've got to remember that it was the policy that a lot of people just. They went. They went along with. You know what I mean? It was. It wasn't just you guys in uniform. It was the fact that like, wow, all these people. Now that's the choice. Now maybe I think a lot of that was choice. Just as I think, which is one of the things that where all humanity slips up a lot, a lot of time is they tend to go with the herd. So then our job is mm-hmm. what we do is, as you say, it's on the edge, is to say, well, that part of the herd is doomed. Come to the side of the herd that's gonna, you know, and that's exactly where. I think this eternal push where people like me and you, probably, Brian, if we'd been sat there only six, seven hundred years ago, would have been exactly excited about the printing press, but would have understood what negative and positives it brings. I think, you know, maybe that's, that's how I sort of think we are. There's always a need for people like us, because there's always a need to push people away from that general herd that, like you mentioned, doesn't want to have a choice. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the problem is that, you know, I mean, and, and some people will say that, you know, historically, uh, because, you know, well, didn't the Jews have the choice to leave? And it's like, well, they most certainly did. But then other countries, including America, turned them away. And people people don't know that, you know, because the history, like you say, gets written by the winners and they don't understand. Uh, yeah, that, that if, if so, you know, I think people recognize perhaps inherently they do need the choice, but then they don't see it that they don't have it in the first place. I don't yeah, it's it's one of those mysteries. <laughs> Completely, but that you know, I mean, that's one of the great things now. Is I I, I don't honestly think that you know the only thing that stops people from choices right now is that they they're choosing not to. Hold on, so, we can't hear you. No, I can't hear anything. Who, who? No, who's Aaron? I don't know who it is. Oh. Hello. Hi. Hello? Can you turn your Hoover off, please? I'm Aaron. Yeah, can you turn the Hoover off, please? We can't hear anything. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. I thought the mic was muted. Sorry. No, it's okay. Hi, Aaron. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Aaron. Uh, okay, yeah, nobody uh, knows uh, who you are. Hello. <laughs> yeah, so hi, hi. Um, I'm, I'm a listener to Sovereign Tech. and uh, Awesome. Love hearing about everything Brian talks about, so here I am. Oh, cool. Well, hi, Ryan. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Uh, Sorry, uh, well, I Yeah, I guess somebody's. Go ahead. 
So what I was trying to say is, you know, I think that where we are now, in, and we think where we are at this point, in where we, we live in the age we are now, is that people have the, the as I always say to people, and I'm sure you, you, you agree with me, right, it's just people have got to make the choices. You know, the knowledge is out there. They have the ability through your, you know, your podcast, this podcast, through the internet generally. I know what you're saying about how that the word anarchy will be pushed down, but you know, okay, then do a bit, work a bit harder because the knowledge is out there, and I think that's where we as a humanity are standing right now. But they have the ability to choose. You've got to go out and work for that choice. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think your point about you know fat cows, <laughs> essentially. I mean, people people being very comfortable. Uh, you know, it's something I've talked about a lot. Where boy, if you you know uh, if if Nobody will get interested in what's going on around them, but if you cut off the television, if suddenly like the internet or TV wasn't available to them, they'd be storming City Hall, you know, in, in, in really short order. So, yeah, and yeah, I don't know how to, you know, necessarily how to get people interested or excited or to to realize what's happening. I mean, you know, uh, Edward Snowden's a really a really good case, is that. People should, I mean, with all the stuff that keeps coming out of what happened with Edward Snowden where he revealed that the NSA is pretty much spying on the entire planet and not just on the bad guys, but also, you know, quote-unquote, but also on, you know, Americans themselves, the fact that that didn't get them up in arms, I mean, you know, I'll admit it's kind of a depressing point for me because if you don't realize, if, if hearing that isn't enough, uh, you know, what is? Uh, and, it, and it's unfortunate because, you know, I think especially when it comes to areas of, like, privacy or, or anonymity, which is an area that a lot of decentralization is going to solve, and it always has from, you know, from its inception. If you consider, like, BBSs, uh, you know, bulletin board systems from the 80s and 90s, which was, you know, kind of the precursor to the Internet, um, you know, that was very a very decentralized fashion and allowed for redundancy and all these things. Uh, but anyway, if, you know, if you're concerned about anonymity and, and privacy, uh, you know, Amer at least I can say in America where I grew up, you know, we used to go to Radio Shack. Radio Shack was this electronic store, very, very famous. Uh, and you would go there and people at Radio Shack, they would, it was maybe in the late 80s they started this, maybe even before, they would ask you for your name, telephone number, address, all this stuff, and I remember constantly, because I loved being in the store as a kid, but I remember constantly people saying, what do you want that information for? You know, and, and I mean, and they really, they had a very serious issue with the fact that you were collecting their information, but now, you know, I don't know what happened there. I, I'm, I'm not sure how, where, where that paradigm shift occurred to where people are now suddenly like, oh yeah, here, have my social security number, here, have this, have that, I don't care. Uh, and Maybe you shouldn't care. You know, maybe we should live in this exceptionally open, you know, information society or whatever. You know, maybe that's a possibility. But at the same time, I'm not sure where pe where that all changed. Where where people suddenly, uh, you know, just became like you say, the fat cow or apathetic uh, to so many of these issues. And even when you hear the most uh, extreme cases, which I bring up often on my show, Sovereign Tech, of where you know you are being infringed upon as a human being, they don't care. It doesn't change anything, and they never see the, the gun in the room. They never see government as the yeah. problem. They never yeah. see centralization as the problem. And you know, I don't – it creates a very depressing picture, no doubt. Uh, but at the same time, like you say, we've got people developing, and they're waking up uh, you know, to a lot of these technologies and a lot of these truths, and, and so I guess that, that's kind of the message of hope out of it. But, boy, <laughs> I don't blame people for being like, what do we do? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I've always, I, I describe it as this: we are just basically, if you, if we're just living our, you know, what we are as, as meat machines, we're, we're computers. And if you, if you take that analogy, that from the day we come out of this, we dropped onto this planet to the day we die, the the, the system, the, the 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 government, the big G, whatever you want to call it, in the room, they they they're there automatically on your computer, your laptop, and they're putting on their own cookies and their own... So it's really... I, I mean, it's like one of the things that Ryan approached in his films. It, it's difficult to wake up because you've got to go through a lot of debugging of your own system that they've in, inherently put into you from the day you're born. That's why people have a, a warmth towards government because it's become the warm fire in the room. And it's like, oh, I've been born to that. I'll go to that. That's So anything you... I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you've been the same, Brian, but I've, I've had years of people... Anything you say, I mean, you say, oh, I don't, I don't think this, the, the, the state should be in charge of education. Oh, you don't want kids educated. Oh, I, you know, or, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure you've had the same, same oh, yeah, things, yeah. which is what I'm saying. It scares me because it's like, like you're just saying then, but it only scares me that the people who obviously intrinsically had their computer, but, you know, programmed that way from birth. But what scares me is I always say to people, is like, there's no excuse now. You know, you've got the ability to wake up. It's switch. It's that. It's that. Switch off your TV. Go outside and do something better instead. Which I. It's a simple. Co- it's a concept. And that's what's the more scary one is that you can understand why people what they are, but equally, they're making those choices. You know, but like I say, it's. Well, I mean, over here we've got an interesting one over the because we're going through austerity at the moment, and the, the three areas that they will never cut in government budget are. The NHS, our free you know, health system, education, and you think, yeah, because that's some of the ones they want you from birth to death. And people have got to realise this rather than going, that's a good thing. Like you said, it's seeing the gun in the room. Yeah, and, and it's it, that's interesting too because a lot of people, the other thing that, that most people don't don't seem to realise uh, is that a lot of these things, you know, healthcare and all of that, uh, is so new. It's incredibly, you know, it's not even 100 years old. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and that goes for all kinds of things. Like, I know there's a lot of people, like, this is this is one that, that's pretty commonplace, is, you know, when I'm in a grocery store, people will complain about the fact that, oh, I can't, this, this environmentalism nonsense, they're wanting me to use a, you know, a reuse a bag. Why can't I have a good old-fashioned paper bag and all this stuff? Good old-fashioned? How long have there been paper bags? You know, it's like, what, are you kidding and, and that, that, that's the part that, that blows my mind is that these people they have they they live so moment to moment they have no concept of time at all and because none of this is normal even mobile phones you know which we are so reliant upon now none of this stuff is normal none of this is standard okay and just like servers you know I think that's another thing too a lot of people are very like like you know anti decentralization it's like well that can't work you know this way we've been doing it this way works. The way you've been doing for twenty years, you're going to call that a proving amount of time? Exactly. Mind-boggling. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, that. I was just going to say, even as far as wake-up moments, like we were talking about the flux capacitor. I feel like people, when they have their cell phone, the internet in their hand, you have that flux capacitor in your hand. You have that time machine. You have those wake-up moments in the palm of your hand. What do you use it for? You know, so many people just want to laugh, communicate on a sort of day-to-day basis with people that they don't talk to on a day-to-day basis. But uh, the the information conveyed is so minute compared to if you actually go into something with a question. Like you said, you look up anarchy. Like 
like you said, you're not going to find anarchy on your timeline. You're not going to find it in your newsfeed. You're not going to find much about it. You go in and search it. Holy shit! You find all sorts of things. You find that it's this idea that's been around for centuries, and it's uh, almost the beginning of mankind. As you can root it to, and uh, you know, it's been there. It's an idea that's been built on, and people have done things with it. And but at the same time, you don't see it at your newsfeed. You have to go out on your own and get called names and isms and ists and you know. Sure. Yeah, and it's a problem because including you know a lot of these. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, books that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's great. You know, I love having e-books, and I love having e-books. I'm a huge fan. You know, and Amazon offers all this great stuff, and you get, you get these things for such a great price. But as much as, like you say, how it's saying, how it's not, uh, it's not showing up your timeline, I find some of the most in history that lay out so much truth have yet and may never you know, make it to a point of mass dissemination, and I can't help but worry that that's that that's on purpose. Uh, I mean, there's there's plenty of these things, and so so that that's where again, you know, we keep, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess we keep. Well, I don't know what phrase to use, but anyway, we keep talking about decentralization. That is really one of the most important things about decentralization, is because with centralization, you can control what information does get out there. And, and it's really it's happening in, in every way, be it on your timeline. But you're right, because it's out there. It is out there for you to find, and it is so much easier to find. But that's concerning, and that's why some of these technologies really need to hurry up and be out there. Because if it doesn't, we're, we're, in a, we're kind of in a golden moment yes. right now where, where there aren't things in control, where, you know, where there aren't so many gatekeepers, and we can get access to this information. But if we don't get ahead of the curve, if System D doesn't get way ahead of the curve on all this, uh, then we might lose that incredible access to all that beautiful, uh, you know, information that can really uh, set people free, you know, mentally and, and just in their life. Well, yeah, and that, that's that's been true throughout throughout ages. I mean, I'm an artist, and I kind of, you know, I, I mean, you go back to some of the, um, the the pictures from the Middle Ages, and it was all about how. I think it's one of the things you were tapping into is that human beings have this. This is why I, I think you're very right about staying ahead of the curve because there's what what people have been seduced by technology is like like you say this is need for I've got to have a new phone every six months. It's the you know it's a, it's constant illusion of instant pleasure, instant pleasure, and then they're missing the moment. It's like it's literally being in a strawberry field picking all the strawberries and being really sick and that you should have just taken your time and have one strawberry and appreciated it and use it for what it was and, and that's the trouble with people they are distracted by the illusions around them whereas they should see the illusions around them like like, like the print I mean I'm sure these arguments when I'm you know 600 years ago the printing press because it's I suppose the, the ultimate how I feel positive about things is that the print, we, we are in a moment with the printing press now that will be it's, like you said we've got a Hopefully, we can we can be the ones that push that forward and do a lot of good with it. Or, right. as we say, one of the things we can learn from history is that printing press, as much as it did cause the separation of the Catholics and the Protestants, also 300 years down the line was written for propaganda for the Nazi Party. So, as a form of technology, there's no inherent good or evil about it. It's just what we do with it as a culture. And that's why it's important that people. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, and that's why I think these conversations need you know need to be had because uh, you know as much as we need to advance technology to free ourselves from these control structures, we also you know I mean we got to do some work on our own firmware, on our own software, uh, you know to to even be able to want to access it. 
that that's that's really key, and I think that's an area that so many people get lost in. Uh, in fact, sometimes you know this is a concern for me is that people will I think a lot of people get involved in you know development of technologies, and I want them to be involved. Okay, or people are on the flip side in the in the meat space world. They'll get involved in like say politics, even though they want a freer world. Okay, they'll want to, and this happens in the Free State Project all the time. There's so many people that are working within what we call working within the system, where they're working with politicians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, okay, or they're becoming politicians. Um, but the thing is, is that I feel like a lot of times all of that is is just so that it, it's a distraction to make you feel like you're doing something to change things without actually working on yourself. And so you've got to have that balance. You've got to you've got to understand that you know working on yourself is just as important as getting freedom you know from without of yourself you know from without you from, from you know that's not within and uh, and so but but I think a lot of at, at our peril a lot of people will develop these including you know something I'm really critical of is Ethereum um, you know I worry when I when I look at the attitudes of a lot of these developers while you're right you know that technology is you know isn't inherently evil or good um, you know we're talking about design and I think it is important to look at the yes. designers Yes. And if the designers don't have, you know, an attitude that is conducive to, you know, to human freedom, uh, or there's something in there that worries you, I think it's important to, to call these things into question and perhaps even to say, look, no, I am not going to support your technology. I'm not going to support what you're what you're developing. Uh, so it, it it shouldn't just be this carte blanche. You know, we can develop whatever. I mean, yes, it should be carte blanche, so we can develop whatever we want. But at the same time, we should be aware. And and make you know make choices and vote with our vote with our downloads or lack of downloads perhaps uh, you know I, I think that that's really that's the beauty of the future is it'll be so easy to uh, take your cryptocurrency and take your Ethereum and buy made safe coin or buy if something better or more uh, humane comes along you push it that direction and talk about a new way of voting with your dollars it's amazing it, can it'll, I raise it'll my hand a second. Yeah. Oh, go for it. <laughs> um, it seems like you keep talking about technologies as though they can have a nature to them, either good or bad. It seems like everybody's a tool user, and our tools have been used to optimize our situation for our biological outcome of reproducing, yeah. safety, food. How, how do you overcome the nature of mankind? Because it seems that every technology that's developed, good or bad, or however the meaning behind the development, will get used to fulfill each person's desires for themselves. Well, that's where open source comes in. That's that's where the importance of having open code or free software, Libra software, whatever phrase you want to use, is for you to have the ability, uh, you know, to, to alter. You know, I mean, just picture if nature somehow put restrictions upon your ability to use wood. Exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, that'd be insane, uh, you know, for, for that to happen. And so... That, that is where the, the building blocks of, the, of, of society, and if that ends up being technology, and it well, it is technology in, in a very real sense, um, that's where it, I think it, it becomes a necessity to, even if you have, you know, whatever your intentions may be, for it to be open is, is positively essential. Um, and I'll give credit to MadeSafe and some of these other ones. They are sticking with some very strict licenses that people don't appreciate, um, but I think that's a, that's a very good thing. Uh, to have all of this opened up because it's really the only way that you can even have the chance. It's not a guarantee, but
but it's the only way that you can have the chance that the technology you are going to use, uh, you know, can can uh, stand up, you know, to, to your own personal freedom. I mean, I, I, I would, I would my, my response to people almost time what you were saying a minute ago before, Brian, is that I think not only is it an important part, I think it's one of the most crucial parts is that you, you sort this computer out first. And it's one of the things that, you know, goes back to what we were saying, why people are where they are, because we've been fed from day one that nothing requires any hard work, everything's magic, everything can happen at a click of a finger, you haven't got to do anything. And whereas the reality, if that's, that's the whole point of what we're trying to say, like I'm trying to respond to your question you asked there, Aaron, is that, it's all a lot of effort is, is required in the head. Now, one of the things, particularly, I'm bringing this into Mainsafe. Well, I love one of the things that really intrinsically I loved about Mainsafe was compared to like the interest in Sony Ethereum was that I know for you know David in you know, particular has been working on this idea for ten years, and that goes to what I'm saying. He's he's had his head in the right place and he's worked through and worked through and worked through and worked through, and and when you sort of realise that that life is like that. And, and I think sort of like the, the other sort of response I would like to give to Aaron as well is that I've been around, I've lived in the Amazon jungle and stuff like that. And one of the things that I was always told by a lot of people here was like, oh, but they're so wise people. And now they didn't, they wanted electricity, they wanted the, the technology, but they didn't want to do that to go and control anybody else. That's what I was trying to say to Brian and you earlier on. There's a lot of this world that live freely and they want to implement their technology so it implements their life. You know, the guy in the middle of the Amazon doesn't want to destroy the environment he lives in because he knows that that's the only way his and his family generations are going to survive. I think one of the things that I know Brian talks about a lot was that we've become desensitized from nature. We live in these big cities and you know, like you know, with, with everything that's become you know easy for us and stuff like that. So the it's not in you know, there's like you like you say, there's no inherently good or bad or evil technology. It's just technology. It's all about I think a lot of it is, is getting your head. And the, tr the trouble is when you tell a lot of people that it's like well, it is going to take you a long time. You have to learn a few things. You have to go away and read a few things and understand. You know what I mean? I. I've been on Mainsafe for maybe six, seven months, but I don't know anything. David Irwin's been on it for ten years, and he doesn't know the other. That's 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 yeah. the that's the cold hard truth of, of life. That whether it's technology, or up to answer Aaron's question or anything, it's all about how you've got to get your own computer right first and understand that what real choice and real freedom is. And that is a, I think, the number one wake up moment is, is getting your head understanding of like you're born in this world, you die in this world, all the rules written in between. Written by people who died a long time ago. Right, but 90% yeah, of people never agree with you. Well, that's the point of decentralization: is that they don't have to. Like, you can, you, you know, you can have this over here, you know, this community over here, this community over here, this community over here, um, and that's, you know, now how do you keep all of them from respecting each other? Uh, that's another question. But then that's the thing: is that is that one of the, like like you're saying, Tim? I, I think. You know, getting the computer in your head right, you know, and that's a scary prospect to do. It's very terrifying to, to deal with the spooks in your own mind. Uh, I mean, it's really frightening because you're going to come to some conclusions that stand against everything you've been told your whole life. And, and there may be nothing more terrifying than that, or there may be nothing more, uh, uh, you know, personally shaming or insulting or guiltful. Uh, even though really it isn't, but you'll feel that way when you realize that in so many ways you were wrong yes. for on, on some very serious issues. 
Okay, and but that's that is, I agree. That's where we need to, you know that that is the first place that we we need to be working on. Um, that's why you know I talk a lot of times you know on on my own show I, I say often you know I'm excited about a lot of the new technologies coming out. I really am. But it does again it does become terrifying when you think of the fact that there's people who see no problem with what really equates to modern day slavery. Yes. Who see no problem with you know with with all of these institutions that most people really consider as bad, but they don't see that it's happening to them right now, and because of that, yeah, I'm worried, you know, when they want to implement these things. Uh, you know, I I really am, and, and I don't I don't know that I have like a like a good shortcut answer as far as to you know how do we deal with with people that that don't agree. Uh, you know, well, I mean, a you don't deal with them, but b what do you do about it? You know, when it comes to your door. Uh, that yeah, that that's something that that deserves exploration, no doubt. I mean, I think one of the things that well, for me, like real quick disagreement for me, like I've seen people either want to be open-minded and sort of be able to put themselves in someone else's shoes, try to understand uh, a different point of view, and then there's people that don't and just want to cling to their ideals and. Uh, will fight, and those are usually the ones that will just resort to name calling and resort to saying, uh, putting words in other people's mouths and saying, "You just want this, you just want this, and you don't know what you're talking about." And for me, there, it, that is that software in the mind type thing, where either somebody's going to be open-minded and just sort of listen and be like, you know, you may not convince me right now, I may not even understand everything right now, but at least when I'm done talking to you, I can go away and keep thinking about it, and it'll keep resonating, and maybe it will actually make sense. It might hit me on the way home, and uh, uh, sure. which is actually one, one of the lines I used in the movie was uh, somebody explained something to somebody serious, and he's like, don't even think about it now, it'll hit you on the way home, mm. and that's just kind of, uh, and that was sort of, supposed to be metaphorical in the sense of, you know, as you're, it'll hit you on the way to finding yourself. As you go along that way, you will come across that and remember this conversation we had and be like, oh, that, think about it and just want to, you know, you the person and not the ideology, which is one of the hardest things to fight when somebody wants to fight you and not the things that you're talking about. Sure. I mean, equally as well, I mean, that's it. It's all right tapping into what uh, you know, Aaron said earlier on. It's like, there's so many, which is one of the most liberating moments in your life, like you were saying earlier on, right? when you get to the point when you can just turn to someone and say, do you know what? I don't know. I don't know these answers. They're unknowable, and it's, that's the great thing about the future. I mean, we, I, I would say one of the great things that we're, we're having, almost having this discussion about is almost like, well, how people are now. But, okay, can you imagine a world where if we just, for one generation, we just stopped hitting kids? So we can have a whole completely clean slate of people that didn't have the grown up with violence. We don't know what that experiment would be like. We've had a whole generation where, oh, I've never been beaten and abused and hit around the head and whacked and you know, disciplined in that way. Maybe that would be a flowering, but at the moment, these are the, this is what we can do. We can, I can propagate that change. I can say to people, everyone, don't harm people. God, that's quite easy because it's, and I know that. I, I, and I'm always strong on it because I know it's a virtue, because I know it's true. Because that's that's what has got us to where we are now. We don't in the small communities. It's it's a scale. We were talking about this last week of the podcast. It's a scale of numbers. If there's a hundred people there, we'd all get along. You scale up to a million people, there's going to be problems because everyone walks past. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I think 
that, uh, yeah, it, it does become, it, it can become an issue when things get, when it gets to scale. When uh, you, you start dealing in larger numbers, um, yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of the, the Dunbar number, which mm-hmm. the idea is, is that you can only handle so many, you know, like up to, you know, anywhere between five to 200, uh, you know, inter- human interactions, you know, meaningfully at a time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. And I think that in that lies a lot of answers into, you know, what, what's going on is that maybe, uh, you know, there's a chance that we can't handle, you know, like, like the way society is right now, you know, the, uh, with cities and all this stuff that in and of itself, it, boy, how to describe, <laughs> how to describe it. I mean, just that, that, that maybe we really can't, uh, you know, this isn't a way that we can we can successfully you know live and, and and have freedom at the same time as when you get beyond that certain scale. I don't know, and I think that's what a lot of this code is trying to solve. It is trying to to uh, cheat our natural human intuitions, uh, you know, our, our natural instincts, our trust instincts, empathy, and whatever else, and 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 kind of put them into so that way we can deal with millions, if not billions, uh, of people. At once, and so you know, but but I I don't know. I, I wonder about that. I, I really do. Uh, if if any of that is even really that possible, if maybe things uh, you know should be just you know kept at certain or not not forcibly, of course, kept at scale. But things should be dealt at scale, 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 and you just have various areas within which you know points that you interact at. Uh, it, it's boy, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one, but it's something I've been thinking about quite a bit recently. Is that yeah, a hundred people can get along. But you get above that, and suddenly you do run into problems. And I wonder, where you know, where what does it tell us? And uh, and I don't think that's been explored. Hey, can I ask a question? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brian. What is the most disconcerting uh, feature of Ethereum to you, or what it might present? Uh, the most the the actual the technology itself is by and large, I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with the technology, right? Uh, part of it, though, is what the problem it's actually trying to solve. Um, because what it, what it is, it's trying to, my, my problem is that, in short, is that it is putting things onto the blockchain that are bad ideas off of the blockchain. Yes. And just putting them onto the blockchain is not, does not suddenly make them a good idea. Exactly. And, and that's, that's my concern, and because because equally, like part of their billing of a theory, is that this can do everything, you know, like all of this is changing, and uh, and the ability to do everything. I mean, there's you know there, there's things that that shouldn't be done no matter where it's done, uh, you know, and, and so like I get concerned like with contracts and, and and things like this as to where I think that Bitcoin was starting to open up a world without contracts without stock markets, without, uh, you know, go down the list of a lot of these, you know, different systems. And then Ethereum comes in and says, no, we can just put all this in to the blockchain. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's actually, I know a lot of people see it as two steps forward, but I actually see it as 10 steps backwards of where we could go. So so that that's, does that, does that answer that? that? Absolutely. That was a great explanation. Yeah. But if, if I was to ask you, you know, Sort of like I don't know. Put a, a bet on it. If I, do you think we're? I'm asking you directly here, Brian. 
do you think, I mean, I listened to your, um, I don't want to talk tight to your podcast that you did about the year, living in the year 2099. I mean, oh, yeah. fascinating, you know, the concepts of what you were doing. And it's something I do a lot, and I try to imagine what it would be like in 100 years' time or 1,000 years' time. Um, if I was to ask you right now, and I was to ask you just maybe state what money you had or whatever, whatever, your savings and stuff, and I said to you, do you think your future is optimistic, or where do you think it's going, or would you say it's negative, you know, it's the negative? I mean, we've, just, we've touched upon it in this conversation, but just generally, do you think we're going in the right direction as humanity or in the wrong direction? Um, boy, on the large scale, I, I, I'll admit I'm not optimistic on a large scale. Uh, on, a, on a smaller scale, I think that a lot, of, a lot of what we're talking about here and a lot of what's being developed in peer-to-peer decentralized systems and whatever else, it's very optimistic for for those that that get it and want it okay you know this isn't i mean it's tough to talk about this and it's not elitism it's just people wanting that freedom because clearly there's people that don't uh, or they're not interested in it so uh, so on a global scale i'll admit i'm not that optimistic for for the next 100 years now the next 500 years different story uh, then i am very optimistic but in the next 100 years uh, no, I do not have optimism. Not for the, not for you know the globe at large. So you don't. Let me let, let me ask real quick. On top of that, do you feel um, the ones that are optimistic and are seeking it? Do you think they are the ones that are actually like us right now, utilizing the technology, use, utilizing the way to communicate to uh, sort of build upon ideas? Like, do you think we're more inclined to do that than say? you know, the other people who are, uh, I guess, more uh, just kind of roundheaded and kind of built into their own sets of uh, what they believe? Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure, sure I'm, I'm following it, but are, are you, I guess, well, are you asking... As, as, far as, like, as far as the communication, like building upon, like, so obviously we're able to communicate um, closely uh uh, as far as like being in America or whatever, like we can all talk in America fairly closely, talk about ideals, but then at the same time we can talk to people outside of America because our ideals are very broad, very open. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of people who are close-minded and their ideals wouldn't stretch as far as the world. And I feel like we as people, like us, the uh, – I guess the more freedom-oriented types, like we're more seem to be more outspoken and more wanting to go and uh, find people throughout the world who share our ideals. Where I feel like close-minded people who aren't necessarily for freedom don't really feel that knack to go out and talk to people about how centralization is good and things like that. Sure, sure. I I, I think that's that's exactly what's happening, and I think what the confluence of that is going to be those people eventually not just dealing with each other in this way, uh, you, you know, and, and they are going to want to actually really get together and uh, create, like now in 2099 that, that Tim was talking about, that, that special I did, uh, I, you know, pretty much invented the, or not invented, I didn't come up with the idea, but, but I, I theorized floating cities to where people can all, you know, literally get together and, you know, these people of this mindset and they can just, you know, they, they just go over here. And let everybody else, you know, do do what they do because you don't want to force choices on anybody, or you don't want to, you know, force options or whatever on anyone or your way of life. 
And so, so that that was that was kind of the idea. So I think I think the confluence of what you're saying happening is that yes, our you know, the the old ways, those old ideas won't spread, but then that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll die off in the next hundred years. Um, but the people that ideas will spread will eventually just want to get together. I think. So this is like Patry Friedman's uh, Seafaring Institute. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of, yeah exactly. Yeah, kind of the Seasteading Institute, all that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's very similar to that idea. And I think, and, you know, because it's not just my idea. I mean, obviously, this is what people really want. People of this persuasion want. They want that part of the world where they can just be left alone yes. to do the things, you know, and develop the life that they want. And uh, and and I'm glad that there's a lot of people that have this thought and have this idea. And I think it is going to take off. I think uh, it's, you know, people people with that freedom-oriented, you know, I, I'll use the word spirit, uh, won't be stopped. You know, it's a great point, uh, you know, you made there, Ryan. I mean, that, you know, communi- we're going to communicate win, lose, or draw. It's going to happen, and we'll, we'll, we'll make better cryptography if we have to to do it. And so I think that, that at, you know, that desire for freedom is absolutely unstoppable and will eventually lead to people doing something like that, be it the Seasteading Institute or a Free State Project or whatever. They're going to get together. And they may find – now, this is the other thing, too, though, is that I feel my, my, the thing that, that those groups I just mentioned aren't doing is they're not, they're not being very secretive about it. And I hate the idea of, of secrecy in general, but I think – uh, there's, there's actually there's an anarchist named Hakeem Bey, who uh, he's still alive. He was pretty popular. Not, not a, not a perfect guy upstairs by, by any stretch of the imagination. But he actually theorized that if you do these kind of intentional communities things, you're going to have to keep them kind of quiet because otherwise the mainstream media or whoever is going to pull a Waco, Texas on you, mm-hmm. you know, or a Branch Davidian type thing on you. Uh, the, the, you know, they're going to, they're going to want to quash perhaps. Uh, your freedom in, in any way they can. So I, I think that's something kind of new. That that it's not new, but that that's something uh, different that I that I like to discuss on the table than what a lot of those other groups would. How do you spell Hakim Bay? I'm just curious. Oh, sure. It's a H A K I M then B E Y. Okay. So I mean, what's what's your um, your take? You know, I, just, I, I listened to that podcast and you, you did on twenty ninety nine, and, and obviously uh, you obviously got some sort of divergent thought. It's different. I can sort of go with that. But I'm interested to hear what's your thought on the the the, the group of people, the, the collective that are around this singularity then in twenty forty nine, the Ray Creswell idea. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, of like of, of transhumanism. Yeah, the, the idea of the singularity in 2049 and that we will be merging into the machines and, you know, that you know that all that kind of thing. I mean, you must have thought about Johnson. Have you heard about the, the, the singularity project that they think in 2049? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm really concerned uh, because the idea of the singularity, now, I mean, there's, you got to be careful how like you define the singularity because there's a singularity which just means when a computer um, develops a better computer and the human didn't do it like so so it's a, it's a non-human creation it's a super you know beyond human creation and but then there's a singularity which I think most people think of which is just the idea of transhumanism like uploading your brains and all this stuff which is what Kurzweil is pushing for yeah uh, and if that's the one you're you're interested I'm I'm a little concerned about that because we really don't know the seed of consciousness. We don't have a good grasp 
on, on consciousness. And I would venture, and this is totally theoretical on my part, I don't necessarily, I have some, some, uh, some data to back it up, but not a whole lot. But I would venture that perhaps uh, the very, you know, human, the human nature, human consciousness uh, doesn't just sit, you know, in the head. It may actually be in other parts of the body. Uh, something I, I like to, you know, just kind of fancy, uh, an idea that I fancy is that it's ironic that historically, uh, you know, our human ancestors put a very, a very serious uh, amount of consideration and thought on the heart, on our literal heart, far more than they did on the brain. And I'm curious as to why that is, because our, our ancestors, this is another thing, is people think our, you know, our human ancestors are stupid. I would totally disagree with that. Um, I think IQ scores are, are nonsense in general. Okay, um, and so I'm, I'm curious if there isn't more, if there aren't more relations in the body that, that, that have more to do with our human nature, our ability to love, our ability to empathize with each other, our ability to create, that goes far beyond what sits inside our head. Uh, you know, it may be another part of the body as well. <laughs> that reminds me of lyrics to a song from the 80s. Would, if you cut off my head, would it be me and my body or me and my head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, because so, there's a lot, like even even a gut flora. There's a lot of people talking about how you know the nature of your gut flora uh, has a lot to do with with your own desires, like your desire for sugar and things like that. There's so many things, you know, the, the human body is is a system. It's not you're not just your brain, <laughs> okay? You're, you're you're really not. I think some people would like to say that you are, but I don't I don't know that that's true. Now, I mean, maybe the brain is just the seat of consciousness, and I'm you know maybe I, I could be wrong. But at the same time, uh, I'm not willing to bet that I can be properly digitized uh, like Ray Kurzweil would like. Well, that's, it's, it's equally like you were saying as well. I mean, it's also the, I mean, like I've been saying before, it's choices. I'm sure there's some people who but I don't know if I want to be transmuted into some sort of computer program. I mean, I think there's maybe something intrinsically I like about my flesh meat machine. I mean, I'm maybe I'm the only one, but it's again, but it's choices. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. When what what of any of this comes out? I mean, one of the things I think where I think we're in a big singularity moment to be. I think we're in the middle of that now. Is understanding maybe we will people tap into a collective mind. I don't mean that collective in the sense of you know Russian communism. I mean the idea that. These thoughts, as they've seen with, we talked about before, Robert Sheldon, the idea of morphic resonance, the idea that, you know, maybe we can do that as well as human beings. We maybe we get to the point where we can telepathically talk to each other over great distances. These are more of the singularity moments that excite me, more than being transmuted into sure. a machine. Sure. Wouldn't you yeah, I can understand that. Go ahead. Say, wouldn't you still run into the Dunbar number where even if you can telepathically talk to everybody, you're not going to be able to manage so many minds all at the same time? Eventually, you're going to have to either deal with increasing the person's ability to empathize with a larger number of people, or you're going to have to grow up get more space for them to spread out across. So either we're going to have to colonize new places, or we're going to have to change ourselves fundamentally to manage more people in our groups. Well, yeah, transhuman, I mean, like, like that idea of like having telepathy and things like that, maybe that would be the shift that would allow for that. But by and large, I, I agree with you, Aaron. I actually, I think that... Yeah. Um, that you're still going to kind of, you, at least at present time, you're going to run into some kind of a hard line. Um, I'll admit, I'm, I'm far more excited about prionics uh, than I am necessarily, uh, you, you know, a lot of these more, you know, transhuman or, or singularity uh, type things, uh, because I, I think uh, we might find, you know, when you look into like the works of Aubrey de Grey and others, uh, they're very clear on the point that 
uh, humans, it's kind of a mystery. Why do humans die? Because the body's not designed to die. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and so I, I think that, that down the line, maybe those kinds of, uh, of advancements and technologies will allow for, you know, far more of what we're doing than perhaps using, you know, something based on silicon, <laughs> you know, and, I mean, going back to what you were just saying then, Aaron, it's one of the points I've, I've come up and talked about through this podcast a lot, but I've had the, the fortune to live amongst the people in Amazon and stuff, and, that, and that's the point, really. I've always sort of thought this. If I could just go 10 miles up, you'd realise that, you know, as you see when you fly over the, from continents, you see that a lot of the lights of the cities, and it's kind of like they're all on the edges. But you realise a lot of this world are all living, the, the, the vision we're talking about. They're already living in communities of 150 people, and have done for generation after generation. I mean, it's one of the things I think, like you were saying to earlier on, Brian, I think that I think the trouble is that we've all grown up with that not many people get to, to go outside of their own boundaries. And when they go outside their own boundaries, they realise that, wow, do you know what? There's a lot of people on, I can tell, I know, right now, in, in your continent that you're stood on, just a few thousand miles down, there's whole thousands of tribes all living amongst each other, they don't have resolution conflicts. They know what they're doing. They can understand. I've, I've been lucky enough to live amongst them. They, you mean do they don't have Ethereum contracts? Oh, it, you know what? You know what? <laughs> I just like, ask Rich. They don't need Sky News. They don't need Fox News. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, it's amazing. They can, <laughs> they can live about CNN. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> In response to what you said, Brian, about people dying, if you evolutionarily, if you had a cell that never died, it would never evolve. So we would just continue to fill up to this to carrying capacity, and then there would be no room for any more. But if you well, have the, the presence selective pressures, they push things towards an evolutionary maximization. I guess you optimize the organism for the situation. But if nothing dies, right. then you have suboptimal solutions that continue to live on and occupy right. resources. Well, yeah, but I, I guess more what I mean is like is cellular decay, and and partly I think you know people giving giving birth would because I mean one would argue uh, if you go into like the Red Queen theory of why we get it on, why we have sex in the first place, is it is this like you know constant evolution of the genes, and um, you know I I, under, I understand your point, but I, I think also you know what I'm more referencing, I, or I, what I think Aubrey de Grey is more referencing, is that you wouldn't, you know, cellular decay perhaps doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense in that through propagation of your genes, what you're talking about, to where, you know, the, the genes evolve would possibly still occur. But I could be wrong about that. I, I'm, I'm very open to being wrong. Cells that decay, never decay, would stagnate, so they would be selected against. So any cells that were naturally perpetuating themselves and not decaying they would be in a stagnant state of evolution, so then they would quickly get out-competed by ones that did decay and give offspring constantly. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I follow you. I think, yeah, I mean, obviously, even, like, in, in, you know, the idea of, like, extending, you know, your biological body, uh, obviously, you know, disease and things like that would, would, still, would still take effect against you. But that, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think that raises some, some pretty, tough, uh, pretty tough questions, though, as far as, like, you know, is... Is actually creating, um, you know, is making medicines uh, a good idea? <laughs> you know, because are are you are you messing with evolution? Are you messing with humans moving forward? Uh, so uh, that's that's a that's a conversation that definitely needs to be had at some point. Yeah, it's a very long conversation as well. That's one, like I say, that's one of, these are the questions that 
uh, all the upcoming questions that you know the humanity in general is going to have to face because this is what I was trying to say earlier on. We're living in the middle of it, and it's almost like we're in the middle of a big wave coming over us, and most people don't even realise. And I think these, like I say, these are the questions. This is what this is what I think is fascinating about these podcasts is that we're here and we can raise these questions. And you're not seeing this on. I could watch hours and hours of TV, and we won't have anyone discussing what we're discussing tonight. No, well, let me ask, let me let me ask. Twenty fourteen, where where the hell did the bubonic plague come from? When did that where that came out at left field? Like all of a sudden? No, the uh, there was a breakout of uh, bubonic plague. Where? And, um, oh. it was in Asia, I believe. It said like forty people were killed by it. Hmm. I'll I will Google this right now because yeah. Yeah, no, no <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, does pop up in natural there. populations when populations get too high? Like, if you have too many cats in a certain yes. area, then they'll start spreading a new disease or whatever they have available. Yeah, it goes back to that Dunbar number. I mean, that's I think that's one of the reasons that you know the sort of tribal island monsters. That's why they always move around. It's, it's what we used to do over here in our country. Over here, we used to have a, a, a system of farming, and we would leave leave a field open for you know, another year, then come back to it. But no, just, no, you ready? You ready for this though? Bubonic plague outbreak kills 32 in Madagascar, December 20th of last year, July 22nd of this year. Chinese city sealed off after 150 people or 150 people were placed in quarantine after a man died of bubonic plague. So just in July. July 22nd of this year, a man died of bubonic plague. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, there's there's sometimes with these things, like with the Ebola scare and all that. Boy, I've got I've got plenty of thoughts on on that, but that's one I'd I'd have to. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, what we do know for a fact is we don't know everything about the world. Which one of the interesting things about? No, general? that's that's just it, though, Tim. We don't know anything about the world, and I think that's what most you know the corporation mindset, the uh, uh, big chemical, you know, the big pharmaceutical, all those people. They don't understand that. You know, yeah, exactly. they don't. We have a vaccine for this, but at the same time, the common cold's still there. Uh, you know, all sorts of ancient viruses still there. Bubonic plague apparently still there. Like. Well, that's an interesting point to bring up, though, is that, I mean, maybe one of the first cases or one of the first ways that we can work on, uh, you know, getting the spooks out of our own brain or dealing with the kludginess of our own brains is in being able to admit we don't know, you know, exactly. or that we don't, yeah, that we that's don't a, understand. That's the wake-up moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, right, right, because I think there's a lot of people that they want a lot of these control institutions, like governments and whatever else, and they want that because they're afraid of the unknown, they're afraid that they don't know, and they don't want to admit to themselves that they don't know, they want some kind of safety net, when I think really, you know, people, it's okay to say, and there's even people in anarchists, in, you know, in, in liberty movements and anarchist movements who seem to refuse to say they don't know, oh, yeah. exactly. but that's dangerous as hell. Yes. Say you don't know. It's all right. I mean, I'll, I'll say it all. I just said it. I'll say it all. The time. <laughs> Cry on my shoulder. I understand you don't. Know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Wait, but it's it's what ultimately the more everything. The ultimate one. The ultimate questions of everything is boils down to it's. But basically, everything we know about is chaotic. And, and people try to put order onto it, but basically, you know what I mean? If you break down to anything, down to its bottom level, it is chaotic, which is basically, I don't know, you don't know, none of us know, because it's inherently chaotic. 
That's one of the hard truths that people got. If you want to, you want to boil life down to it, it isn't order in the world. And if people want to put order in, because they can put in with order, they can fit religion, they can fit you know control, they can put. But ultimately, people, unless someone proves to me differently, everything is based on chaos. And and as Immortal Coil would say, or this Mortal Coil would say, it'll end in tears, and you'll just be going, "Why? Why?" It's a great Why? band. It is a great band, but that's that is kind of the that's kind of the moral of the story, though, is when you have that sort of mentality that you think you know what it, you think you know what's going on, you think you have control, you think you know the answers. It'll end in tears, and you're going to be going, "Why? Why? 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 Why?" And, you know, you're never going to find those answers. You're, you know, we don't know why. We're constantly trying to find out why, but at the same time, we're we need to look for each other rather than the money, which is sure not the why. <laughs> sure, yeah. There's a there's a great uh, kind of a great quote from uh, the, the the book series Dune, where it says, you know, we can, we keep trying to apply you know logic and answers to all this stuff, but the fact is, the universe is always going to be two steps ahead of you, and uh, I think you know. As it stands right now, that's that's still the case, you know, <laughs> that that the universe will always be two steps ahead. But um, but that's but then that leads into you know, if I, I think Ayn Rand might have had it right when when she said that uh, it's amazing how well people will treat each other and how well people interact each other if they are both acting within their real intrinsic self-interest, if they're really acting you know with self-interest between each other, yes. and then maybe you know with some of this stuff. Yeah, you know, you're not going to figure it out, but you are going to have happiness because you are acting out of your own intrinsic self-interest. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that that's really important, uh, even when you don't have the answers. Exactly, which ties in with what we keep going back to. That that, that self-interest, as I say, when I, I've seen it in action, I've lived amongst it. When it's 150 people or less, that's fine. I lived, honestly, I, I don't know how to say this, but I lived for two years in a place in Venezuela that had no laws, no electricity, no, and we didn't have any issues. You know what I mean? And the one issue we did have, they solved it. And I'm not, you know, that's another story. But what I'm trying to say is that there's so much of this world lives like this. And I think it's one of the things that I think people like us can get on the edge. And I've read a lot about anarchists and stuff. And they always seem to be very, it's almost an intrinsic nature of depressed things about things. But if you understand that, man, a lot of this world right now are living this way. They, they don't understand even the word anarchy or control. They're like, well, I live this way. And like we'll keep saying, things are a lot easier about them. This, this, this key thing you said in that podcast, Brian, isn't it? It's about the Dunbar number. And it's, if we're going to learn to live in amongst big numbers, we've got to work out how we can intrinsically put that, that system that works amongst 150 people and scale it up. If it can happen or not happen, that's a very big question. I'm, I'm, I'm open. I don't think it never happened to 150,000 people or above. I, don't, I mean, to me, it's too big a number. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I, I've yet to see, I mean, even to really, you know, try out other economic models, to try out all kinds of things. I've yet to see really that community that, that that's done it, you know, at even a small level. And if you can't do it at a small level, I, do, I don't see it necessarily working at a large level. Um, and so, yeah, I, I you know, I, I hope that sort of thing gets gets explored. Um, I know you've had other guests on this show in the past who've talked about you know intentional communities and things like that. And I think that's where a lot of these a lot of these things need to get meted out. They need yes. to get explored there. Otherwise, um, you know, because yeah, nobody, not everybody's going to agree, and so you got to get the people that agree and let them try it out in their little space, in their little area. And even you know, even the biggest companies in the world recognize this. Uh, Google, there's a very famous, you know, Larry Page, um, 
It was Google I.O. 2013, where Larry Page, CEO of Google, he said, there needs to be places in on the planet where the rules don't apply. And I think it was him, you know, just admitting that we need to experiment with different models, different ways of living in other places where we don't have to worry about the gun in the room, you know, where we don't have to worry about, you know, government saying, no, you can't, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, so I think everybody, you know, maybe intrinsically, you know, recognizes this, even from the biggest to the small, but for whatever reason, as yet, and hopefully technology will enable this, it just hasn't been done. I mean, I'm talking to Converted in this conversation, but it always amazes me now that we're in 2014 and people still think that the idea of any government is a good idea. I mean, one of the great things about sitting as an English person over to your part of the world is I, I've, I've always had a lot of admiration for what went on when they formed it. And they, and they formed the whole of your constitution with the idea of being make government was a problem, let's make it as small as possible and it never go out of the box. And look what you've become. You've got the biggest most powerful government that's ever been imagined on this whole planet. And that came from people who were going, oh, we should start with a little bit of government. I mean, this is what I'm saying. I don't understand how people cannot understand that the concept of a government where we are is, is show me one that's has, has succeeded. And I've been around the world and I've seen They don't succeed anyway. It's a failed model. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lysander Spooner was right on. Uh, you know, when he said that, uh, you know, in the U.S., either the Constitution uh, allowed this kind of government to exist or it was powerless, uh, you know, to, to keep it from, from existing, from happening. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, there, there is no the, – the arguments are gone. It really is – you know, the excuses are gone. for, And it is shocking that in 2014, especially like, like we've been saying, with all the information that's available out there for people to find, that somehow they still think that government is a good idea. It's uh, it is it, it's mind blowing. Could it be the could it be that that's the nature of us as organisms? Like certain cells wanted to congregate into more complex organisms. That certain people are always going to try and congregate into a this unitarian state that's sort of like a a meta organism with specialized parts. Well, I'll go I'll go even further just real quick and say. Even if we're, I am not opposed to the idea of government necessarily, the government and the people that apparently are supposed to be representing me here in America, them I might actually just disapprove of in general, like all of them. You know, I might not feel that there's, and I actually don't feel that there's one person in the American government that I would actually vote for that I feel really represents my opinions to the core. And if if we're going to talk about voting and people, which I've gotten in arguments with people about voting, and, you know, if I'm going to hold my vote that sacred, then I'm going to hold it almost more sacred than somebody who is going to vote uh, Republican or Democrat because I don't agree that there is somebody out there who really follows my entire human belief. And that's one of the things that I seem to have a problem with as far as government goes. Sure. Um, yeah, boy, a lot to say there. As far as, like, is, is government a natural outcropping? Is it, like, some kind of form of evolution? There's a lot of people who would say that the nuclear family is, is like, that, that, that humans naturally evolved uh, to that state. Um, the anthropological evidence, I think, I think schools out on that. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I would venture that it's not, um, and that, in fact, when we look at nature, when we look at animals, um, that we are applying 
the ideas that we have now onto them. We are transposing our thoughts. Like when we look at wolves and we say wolves have an alpha and an omega wolf, okay, so they have a hierarchy. I, I wonder, I just wonder, I don't have, you know, I, I can't really back this up, but I wonder if we're not just transposing our own ideas that we've been developing over the past 10,000 years onto these these creatures. Like when we call, when we call a lot of, uh, you know, like Mesoamerican um, cultures, when we call them empires, we're calling them empires. Do they call themselves an empire? Is that their same idea? It's it's a very it's a difficult thing to, to say, you know, when we're transposing all we know and we're only knowing what we're taught, and what we're taught is generally taught by these these control structures, you know, like governments and whatever else. Um, it's it's tough to say in, in those regards, you know, what exactly is natural, what actually evolved, and and what you know perhaps what should be. Uh, so that's a tough thing. But you know, Ryan, to your point, if I can. Um, with you know, with uh, with politicians and voting and all of that, um, you know, I, I have I actually have a real problem with 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 people that are that are liberty oriented that want to leave people alone that run for polit that run for for politics they run it to be a politician because it's ironic because I think it's it's and and this is what we're talking about here to be inarguable that people want government or they want uh, you know a nanny over them okay but if you're going in there. To say that, you know, as, as a, as a liberty-minded politician, if you're going in there and you want to say, well, no, we, we got to get rid of the nanny state, we got to get rid of, uh, of health care, you know, Obamacare or whatever, we want to get rid of this, are you representing the majority of the people, you know, that, 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 that you're supposed to be serving? Uh, I think I think it's actually I, I really, in my opinion, I think any liberty-oriented person running for politics is just straight-up anti-freedom. Because they are transposing their own desires and thoughts onto people that clearly don't want that, even if they do it sneakily to get in there. Because now the vote, your vote, that's what that's what that's for. Your vote is supposed to be you expressing what you want and trying to achieve what you want. Okay, and so so the liberty-minded politician is is a, an anachronism. There, I mean, it, it's a uh, you know, it's it, it, it's a Boy, uh, an oxymoron. That's what I want to say. It's an oxymoron. It, it cannot be. You cannot possibly be someone pushing your desires onto somebody else, which yeah. representative democracy is all about. And but then be want to be left alone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I so, so to answer both what, you know, to what you were saying, to, to is, it goes back to what we said before. Maybe we don't know. Maybe I mean, that's the, maybe it's an experiment we can carry out for the rest of humanity, whether we are naturally interested towards government or we're not. But all I know is I've met enough people in my life and I've been enough places in my life to see, well, there's a lot of us on this planet who don't see it like that, don't live like that, and see what, what that whole point of view is something completely unnatural. And, and I, can, I can spend – so to me, whether it's right or wrong, okay, well, I'll fly, always fly the torch for someone that says – there isn't any government. There should have any control because I can. I will argue from as, as long as anyone wants to argue with that, and anyone wants to prove it differently, then prove it differently. But we're born onto a rock that's tumbling through space. We're going to die on a rock that's tumbling through space unless we get unless we get to the point where we leave this planet. But basically, all that's between that is just opinion, and a different. All the government is is opinion with a gun. That's all. That's that's all it is. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Tim, you, Tim for president. Tim for yeah. president. The life of people party. The life of people Yeah, but, party. but if he expects, accepts the presidency, then he disqualifies himself. <laughs> 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 that was Tim.
<laughs> down with this the life of the big party. <laughs> no, that, that, that's how we do it. We're, I become president, and my first act of law is to put a gun in my head and blow myself away. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> now that's, that's dying for your principles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proving the point. I'm proving. <laughs> art. art. Like... Hashtag art. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, wait, wait, this is one of the. Yeah, I was just going to say, because this is, you're, you're attacking it on a daily basis where you live, because this is obviously a, a, there must be a debate that's going on in New Hampshire at the moment, because there must be people in that New Hampshire, as I understand it, who think, oh, if we have a little bit of government compared to the people more like yourself, we think, well, no, actually, we need to get rid of all government in New Hampshire. I mean, yeah, that's, that's really, I mean, the mission statement of the Free State Project is that the, the only role government can have is to protect life, liberty, alone is tacitly admitting that there should be government. Uh, and so, yes, it is something that we have to deal with here uh, a lot. I mean, there's there's plenty of people here. There's a lot of different mindsets, and, and that's beautiful. You know, there's people that want government. There's people that don't. I think we missed part of what you said there, unfortunately. Did it? Did anybody else hear that? No, no, no. I, I, I missed the first part. Yeah, it, it cut out, Brian. <laughs> oh, man. It's the NSA, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, well, I was just saying that, um, that yeah, there, there certainly are, you know, like in the mission statement of the Free State Project alone, um, there is the admittance, it seems, that there should be government. Um, but not everybody here, you know, ag agrees with that at all. Certainly I don't, uh, of course, and there's plenty others. Uh, obviously the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy doesn't stand for, uh, you know, who, who's often on, on my show, and she's just phenomenal. She doesn't stand for that, and she's been in the Free State Project almost since its inception. Uh, so definitely you have plenty of people that, uh, you know, that don't think it needs to be here at all. But, yeah, there is kind of that argument of, uh, you know, should there be or, or should, should it just be really small or should it not uh, exist at all? And, and that's, you know, and I, I feel bad because sometimes that's depressing too because, you know, uh, and I think I've asked, or no, it wasn't on my show. I think I was on someone else's show. But anyway, um, the idea was is, is that, you know, because everybody, like we were talking about people agreeing. Um, if you are in a group of a bunch of libertarians or, you know, or anarchists or whatever in uh, in New Hampshire, where perhaps I think it's inarguable that that is the largest concentration of those kind of people, okay, and I, I hope it, you know, it happens elsewhere too, uh, but if you all can't agree, if you all can't agree whether or not there should be government or not government, I mean, what does that say about everybody else, you know? That is, so that is, that is disconcerting, certainly. So, I mean, but one of the sort of questions I, I, I like to put in front of you, you know, from speaking as I am, the only Englishman on this panel right now, I mean, so take an example. So say I wanted to come and leave my life and what I'm doing, what, what I mean, what what can you be saying? I mean, is it, is, is the, well, try to sell it to me. To some of, you know, I'm, trying, I'm trying to sort of speak for people I know are listening who maybe ask me this question, so I'm asking someone who lives there. You know, what, so if they want to leave, you know, could someone leave the UK and come over there, or is it just for Americans only? Is at least the questions that I would. Oh, uh, no, there, there's certainly plenty. Uh, uh, there are people that are not American that have moved. Uh, I know people that have moved from all over the world um, that are here to, to be a part of it. Uh, so you certainly can, uh, and I, I cannot confirm or deny that there are people that have done that in less than legal means. Okay. Uh, you know, to be here and, and staying in that and staying in that fashion. Um, but uh, 
but yeah, it's it's definitely you know definitely a possibility. But it it is uh, you know it's certainly a great leap. Anytime you move from one place to another, you know it, it's it can be a very serious uh, you know very serious decision. I mean, I had it easy. I only had to, and it, it's really hard to believe because I only had to drive three hours from New York, New Hampshire. And yet, the, the way the way I get to you know the, the freedoms I experience here compared to New York, only three hours away, is is mind boggling. Uh, so, you know, even even traveling short distances, it, it is very much worth it. And so, just imagine how much more worth it it could be, say, from from long distances. So, but at the same time, you know, it, does this does this raise the question of centralization? If you have every anarchist or every limited government person in one spot, is that a good idea? You know, maybe maybe that's not. Uh, but yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's one of the one of the great things I think that um, well, the ability of this conversation and everything else. I mean, I I think it's, if we can just communicate with each other. I mean, this is one of the, the strengths for all the things we talked about tonight, and all the you know the creaking, crappy, shitty internet that we're talking on right now. But we can still talk. We can reach out to each other, and and I also I often say this on the podcast. It's you know, it's, it's I think one of the things that we we as as kind of we're going to call ourselves anarchists or freedom lovers or whatever we want to call ourselves, is, is, we, is we've got to have the connections built and not just leave them alone. And, and you know, I've often described we're like bees who are lucky in nature. We've got to flock together and help each other and, and not just dissipate. Because it's very I've, – I've been in this in this sort of battle for a long, long time and there's been times I've been completely, you know, by my loan saying this and there's other times where people are alongside me. It's amazing how many people that – come along, say one thing, and then they disappear. And you think, well, that's why, going back to the question you said earlier on, that's why things don't move along, because we just dissipate. With, I, I, I hope, oh, it's one of the great things I, I love about what we're doing right now and, and maybe forging into the future. These are the connections that we can make, and the stronger they get, the more chance we've got of getting our, our voice across. Which... Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty powerful with, with, like, what we're doing right now, this form of communicating. We're just, just at least communicating with each other. The most beautiful thing is that you realize you're not alone. Exactly. Uh, and and that, that is so powerful in and of itself, and that's something that's, that's kind of new. Unless you were of some degree, you know, unless 20, 30 years ago you were of some degree of means and you could travel the world or you went to go work on a ship or something, um, you know, you never – you might not have been able to realize, hey, I'm not the only person that thinks this way. Uh, and so certainly that, that's a very beautiful thing. And at the very least, you know, I always encourage people to, yes, communicate with each other. I mean, you don't, yeah, fine, you don't have to move to New Hampshire. You don't have to move to this community or that. But, uh, but it is such a wonderful thing to be able to communicate with each other. And, uh, and that's the beauty of, of so many of the decentralized things we talked about is to make sure that those lines of communication never, ever get lost. Uh, exactly. That they're always possible, always available. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'm kind of looking forward to uh, is as MadeSafe gets developed and people are introducing applications, there could be uh, a hangout of sorts, and you know where people in their local communities could get together to learn about. Okay, here's the new applications we can start working with. Here's this, and so it's a groundswell of, of activity at, at the at the grassroots level. And uh, but yet interconnected with uh, somebody, and whether it be up in Montreal or San Francisco or Scotland, you know, uh, it, and everybody just feels like, hey, we're connected, and, and we're building all of this together at the same time, and it's exciting. And yeah, so, there's some. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, 
I was going to say, I, I can't think of the name of it. It begins with a P, but the I think it's in Sweden that they're starting to build this. And their, their idea more or less is, um, and I've heard other people talk about it, like Amanda Johnson and some others, where they're, they're talking about, you know, building a parallel uh, society in the cloud, essentially, you know, and, and, and that you can actually, you can experience a whole ton of freedom just by doing the bulk of your, you know, not non-necessary human interactions just by doing them online and that you can almost have, you know, uh, you know, you can almost have like the country of your dreams or the land of your dreams, you know, in, in cyberspace. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting notion, uh, you know, to, to think about. Um, and yeah, and, and made safe and stuff like that is really proving that that's totally possible. People completely work together to create, uh, you know, a, a proverbial city in the clouds, uh, you know, almost literal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I agree. I think that's really beautiful. Well, I think we need to get those images to the design people, to the made safe design people, some sort of cloud city. Yeah, that would, yeah. Be, that would be awesome. I, that's my personal opinion. <laughs> well, fellas, I'm I'm going to head out. Uh, Brian, I'm, it was great to meet you, and and Aaron, uh, you had some oh, yeah. fantastic comments uh, and and questions. I, I'm going to head out, guys. I'll I'll see you later, Tim. See Brian, you later, Rich. See you later, Rich. Rich, thank you. Right. Yeah, thanks. Well, it seems it seems a good time anyway to sort of uh, sort of bring this conversation to an end anyway. But uh, one of the things I've got, I wanted to sort of sort of like take a left field chat with you and you know sort of last you, Brian, was like, uh, I know you're a bit of a uh, a Motley Crue fan. You know, you, you kind of like oh you, man, you got your you got your roots in there. <laughs> I, I, I bring this up, Brian, because every week I'm always getting like rappers on, and it's like I find to talk to someone who understands some decent music, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, All right, Grandpa. <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm 33 years old, okay, but I think I, okay. I, I, I feel I'm, like I'm 50 or something. Yeah, right on. <laughs> because I love, like, well, my musical tastes are pretty eclectic, but yeah, I right on. Motley Crue, 80s music, you know, 90s music, music that's happy and hopeful. I love it. Well, I, f- I found it hilarious the other day. I was listening to one of your podcasts about 80s musicians who rock. <laughs> And it was the first time I, and I, I forgot to, you know, it made, it made me dig out one of my Manowar uh, albums. I thought, man, I, I haven't heard anyone mention Manowar in about 10 years. It was like fantastic. Yeah, well, I love Manowar. <laughs> such so a, good. They're such a politically correct band as well, aren't they? <laughs> man, what podcast am I on right now? Yeah. <laughs> now, this is the real podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After hours, it turns to hair metal. I Speaking of metal, though, uh, who do we have on next week, Tim? Well, next we've got Phil Mushi on, who's uh, been a, the director of. Um, he's done a few sort of videos and stuff like that. But it was one of the things I was going to say to you just before we go, Brian. One of the ones I thought I couldn't. I, maybe you didn't mention it in your podcast for a reason, but I thought you've left two great bands out who are from the eighties and still playing now: Slayer and Maiden. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, boy, uh, Bruce, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- these guys, yeah, Slayer is fantastic, I mean, Angel of Death, what a, what a wild album, um, even up till, even more of the, the reason, what was the last one, uh, uh, Blood, World, what was it? Yeah, sorry, no, yeah, anyway. yeah, 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 regardless, yeah, you're right, great, great stuff, I, yeah, you can't even go down the list, 
of all the amazing bands that are still rocking from the 80s. It's true. Well, I, I mean, one of the things about Slayers, I, I, you know, I went and saw them at Donington in the late 80s, and it's one of the things I've, it, I saw them play out for 110,000 people. And when they played on, I, that was one of the things that probably kept me going for the last 20 years. It's like, wow, 120,000 people all giving it that, and they're all freedom loving. Think about this. Yeah, yeah. There was a power. In that sort of, that's what people maybe are not into metal that understand. When you go to some of these bands and you see the power that's generated in that, that audience, and it's all freedom, because these bands aren't talking about control, they're talking the other way around. And you realise, like, wow, this is... It, it, maybe for me, it's kind of the thing that infuses me so much more. I love that tapping into the no. human spirit. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, that's one of the things a lot of people say about heavy metal and why it grew so much in the late 70s and the 80s, I mean, and even before, too. But just that it gave, when you went to a metal show, it gave you the permission to emote, to feel, to express, uh, you know, and, and, and to really, without judgment. And that's the key, without judgment. You know, it's like, no, here, it's okay. We're the rebels of society. And it does show just that people, if they are given the permission, if they are told it's okay, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll let it out. And, and that, that is a hopeful thing, I think, yeah. Well, I mean, just, just, just sort of like on a general sort of vibe on that, I mean, it's one of the things, I mean, like I say, 110,000 people, when people are going absolutely mental, I mean, moshing it full on, do you know what? If one person fell, everyone would stop. That's what I, that's my positive yeah. and, and spin on humanity. And I've yeah. seen it in, in what most people would say, a bunch of louts and thugs and people are drunk and pissed and all the rest of it, but they don't. Humanity, generally, at the point of view, will stop and make sure that the other humanity isn't hurt. Yeah, agreed. I agree. Perfect. Go on, Ryan. I know you're itching to say so. I can see you itching every day, Ryan. No, my friends were actually just telling me uh, Slayer's going to be playing around here somewhere. So I'm trying to f- trying to figure out where they're playing at. But yeah, I guess they're playing either probably here or maybe in the Detroit area. Oh, go catch them. They're serious. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. They were just. It's funny because he's a. This kid that I oh my god I work with this kid who's a high school senior or he just graduated this year and he's in his first year of college and he's a hardcore libertarian and he's he's big into Austrian economics and the non-aggressive policy and uh, the Mises Institute and it's this he was a high school senior and he was sending me like just ridiculous things and I'm like what dimension is this kid from he is. Oh my God, he is absurdly smart, and just said, and I think he was the first person to tell me about the Free State Project, and probably the first person to tell me about Bitcoin. And yeah, he comes up to me like, "Yeah, Slayer's playing. Like, probably gonna go up and see them." It's like, <laughs> dude, the, the, some yeah, I don't know. Some technology has gotten to some people, and they've been able to do some amazing things with it. And yeah, some people look at dick and yeah. fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Well, as, as again, right, it's been a fascinating conversation tonight. I've really enjoyed it. I've been looking forward to this, for, as I've been sort of saying, for weeks and then. And it's, uh, we'll definitely have to get you back on the podcast again because, uh, as I say to, you know, as, as you, you know, I say to you, we've only scratched the surface and, I'm, and there's so much we could talk about. And like I say, Absolutely. De- definitely, I mean, you know, anytime you want to come back on, we'll definitely get you back on in a few months' time. We'll, you know, keep this conversation going because it's. It's, it's like I said, one of the things we've, we've been discussing in tonight's podcast is these, these are great days to live in because if nothing else, me and you can talk. Whereas 20 years ago, they haven't done through your handwritten letters. And two, I love it. So, you know, it's, these are great, like I say, these are great days to live in. 
You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to The Evolution. 